Katie John, Chapter 7, The Covered Bridge I thought Barton's Bluff was a sleepy country town. Until I saw John's Landing, Katie told Sue. Why, it's only got one street, and there's a tree growing right out in the middle of it. They were sitting on Sue's front porch, and Katie was telling about her morning's trip. She and Dad had driven down into the country to get a bushel of tomatoes for canning. On the way, they'd taken a side road through John's Landing. I know, Sue said. It's a famous tree. That's why they don't cut it down. Hmm, I wonder why. Katie settled back. Oh, well, it's too hot to get excited about an old tree. Probably they don't need to cut it down because there's no traffic. She'd like John's Landing, though, drowsing there in the sun by the river. Once the Mississippi steamboats had stopped there, Dad said, but now there was just a few homes of people who lived there because their families always had. The town had one dusty street, a little red brick post office, and a general store with a wooden porch. When she and Dad had driven through, the only people they saw were two men sitting on the, st the store's porch. Some long hound dog had been asleep in the street, in the tree's shade. When Dad had honked the horn at them, they'd gotten up very slowly. I'd like to go back there sometime, Katie said. Oh, yeah. There was another darling little side road I wanted to explore, but Dad said we didn't have the time. Where was that? Outside of Barton's Bluff, just before the Possum River Bridge, she explained. It was just a grassy lane that had curved in among thick trees. It had looked so pretty back there, and she had seen what looked like an old gray barn roof. Why, that's the covered bridge, Shu said. Oh, the old road to John's Landing. Covered bridge, Katie cried. I've never seen a covered bridge. Between Barton's Bluff and John's Landing, the little Possum River emptied into the Mississippi River. Long ago, Sue said, the way to John's Landing crossed the Possum River through the covered bridge, a structure with side walls and barn-like roof to protect it from the weather. But the bridge had grown old and dangerous. A new bridge had been built, and a new road laid that bypass, forgotten little John's Landing. You can still walk through the bridge, though, Sue said. It's sort of scary because it's like a dark tunnel, but it's fun to holler inside and hear your echo come back. And just on the other side of the bridge is a whole bunch of huckleberry bushes and the best berries around here. Oh, Katie sighed. I knew we should have explored that road. Oh, well, now Dad will probably never get back that way. Why wait for your dad to take you, Sue said. I will. We can ride bikes. Katie stared at her plump friend. Usually she, Katie, did all the leading. Now here was Sue calmly suggesting they go adventuring out into the country all by themselves. It's all right, Sue laughed at Katie's expression. The kids around here ride bikes to the woods a lot. I used to go with my sister, Janet, but now she's 15 and thinks she's true grown up for bikes. Katie John didn't have a bicycle, but Sue said it would be all right for her to ride Janet's old one. Katie ran home to tell Mother where they were going, and Mother gave her some cookies for her pocket. Then the girl set off.
As they rode down the street, Katie tried to explain why she had thought of this adventure. Back home in California, for California was still home, even if they were moving to New York, she had lived in the sunny central valley of the state, which had once been almost a desert. There, if she'd ridden a bike outside of town, she'd have come to field up field of vegetables or cotton, watered by irrigation ditches, and where the fields weren't watered, there was nothing but bare dirt or dusty weeds. No little brooks of clumps of woods or grassy lanes. When she and her folks wanted to go to the country, they had to drive two hours up into the mountains before they found many trees or streams. You're lucky, being able to go to the woods any time you want to without waiting for your folks to take you, Katie told Sue. Surprising Sue, who'd always seemed interested only in dolls, said, I'd hate to be cooped up in a town all the time. Let's stop and rest, she gasped. Sure, she Sue wiped at the damp curls around her forehead. They dropped their bikes and flopped on the grass under a big tree. Surprisingly, the earth under the grass was still cool and damp. Katie burrowed her hands beneath the grass to feel it. The barest breeze stirred the trees and cooled her head. Katie John rolled onto her back and closed her eyes. Spots of sunshine and shadow flickered on her eyelids. Sue, she said slowly, did you ever wish you were famous? Sue was trying to split a grass blade for a whistle. Uh-huh. Never thought about it much. I do, Katie John confessed. I go to counting up one time, and only about 50 people in the whole world know me. I wish I could do something great and wonderful so that thousands of people would know me. She leaned up on one elbow. Does that sound conceited? I mean, I'm not stuck on myself. It's just that she sat up inside because she couldn't say just what she meant. Sue smiled at her. Katie John, I know you're not stuck on yourself. I wouldn't want to be famous myself, but maybe someday you will do something great and wonderful. Katie felt a rush of love for her friend. Sue was such a sweet girl. Of course, it would be nicer to have a few people love you than have a thousand people just know you. And yet, she hugged Sue's shoulder and then turned to her bike in embarrassment. Let's get going, she said. I can hardly wait to taste those berries. Soon they came to the turnoff in the old road of John's Landing. Katie could see the gray roof of the covered bridge, and even though she knew what it was, it looked mysterious. Just think, an old covered bridge hidden back in the woods, as wonderful as finding a haunted house. Just off the road stood a sign with paint flaking off. It read, Bridge Condemned. Don't worry about that, Sue said. That sign's been there ever since I can remember. Nobody pays any attention to it. On the highway, few cars had passed them in the hot afternoon. Now as their bicycles bumped along the grassy ruts, the hush of the woods was complete. Up in the trees, looped thick with vines, birds called and twittered. Yet their songs were a part of a hush. Katie thought of the berries hanging dark and plump on the bushes beyond the bridge. 
She could hardly wait to pop them into her dry mouth. Then the lane turned through the trees, and there stood the bridge. Oh, what a dear, beautiful bridge, Katie cried. Its weathered gray boards were smooth with time, and vines had spread over its sides. Now that the bridge was no longer used, it had settled down to being simply part of the woods. Tree branches brushed the roof where it arched, and the grassy road ran into the old bridge's dark mouth. Though the bushes beside the bridge, Katie could see flash of little possum river as it rushed to join the Mississippi. Katie and Sue got off their bikes and ran into the shadowy tunnel. The floorboards creaked, but seemed to hold all right. Hello, Katie shouted. Hello, came a hollow echo. Hey, that's a wonderful echo, Katie said. Cooey, the bridge answered faithfully. Katie, Sue, hi, hello, the girls called, and Addie, ooh, hi, hello, the bridge hooted back. Then came a different shout. Hello yourself. The girls started and stared at each other. Hey there, the shout came again, and it sounded from the road. Why, that's Bob's voice, Sue said. He lives close by. He must have seen us drive by his house and followed us. She could hear Bob's bicycle rattling now. Where are you, he called. I see your bikes. He laid his bike down and started walking onto the bridge. His footsteps thumped and echoed. Ooh, Katie began softly, letting the moan grow louder and louder. The echo took it up. Ooh. Then the sound of footsteps stopped. Cut it out, Bob said. I know it's you girls, but he walked softly and slowly now. Just as he passed into the shadows, Katie yelled, Boo! and twisted to jump out at him. However, there seemed to be some difficulty, such as not being able to get out. She was stuck, wedged tight as a cork in a bottle, between the post and the wall. Her twisted had done it. What's the matter? Ghost, are you stuck? Bob laughed. Here, he hauled at her arm, but she didn't pop out. Sue came running. Hi, Bob. What's wrong, Katie? Oh, I'm caught somehow, Katie muttered, embarrassed. Get behind me and push while Bob pulls. The pushing and pulling didn't help, though. Katie seemed to be caught at the hips. Oh, Katie, you're always getting stuck, Sue giggled. This is worse than the time you got your fingers stuck in the speaker tube hole. For a skinny girl, you sure are in there tight, Bob said, grinning. They hauled and heaved until Katie's sides were sore. She tried to wiggle. She tried to scooch up or down. Nothing helped. She was just plain stuck. Maybe we'd better get help, Sue began to worry. Maybe we'll have to get someone to chop the post down. Maybe they'll have to take the whole bridge apart to get you out, Bob laughed. I can see if the newspaper now, Katie John Tucker, finally brings down the old covered bridge. Sue giggled at Bob's wit. Yes, Katie, then you'd be famous the way you wanted. It's not funny, Katie snapped. She could just picture what would happen if Sue went for help. The fire truck roaring out here with chisels and saws and ladders. Maybe a police car, too. 
people jumping in their cars to see the excitement, kids following on their bikes. The whole crowd would gawk and laugh while someone took the bridge apart from around her. Good heavens! You're not going to get anybody, she cried. Pull some more. This certainly was worse than having your finger stuck. Then it had been simple for mother's soap and her finger to be loosened. Here she'd need a whole wash tub full of soapy water. Hmm. Quit jerking my arms, she said ungratefully. I've got an idea. Get gobs of mud from the riverbed and plaster me with it. Maybe I can slime my way out. Sue and Bob stared at her and then ran out of the bridge, snickering. Katie squirmed. She wasn't going to enjoy this. And what would mother say and look at her clothes all muddy? Still, Sue and the boy came running back with handfuls of dripping mud. They plastered it all over Katie at the place where she was stuck and ran for more. It was cold, and she could feel it oozing next to her skin. It smelled of fish, too. In their haste, Sue and Bob managed to get mud splattered all over her, but Katie could hardly object under the circumstances. With the mud trickling down her sides, Katie gave one mighty twist. That did it. She staggered out of her slot, dripping river slime all over her. Thank goodness, Sue cried. Too bad, Katie, Bob teased. Now you won't get your name in the paper. Of course, we could sort of tell it around. What a good idea you had on to ooze yourself loose. Don't either of you ever tell a single soul, Katie gasped, wiping the mud from her face. Sue and Bob couldn't help laughing, and finally Katie had to join in too. They hooted and hollered, and the more they laughed, the funnier it all seemed. And the echoes joined in until the old bridge shouted and laughed with laughter in the hot afternoon. Chapter Eight: Katie John's Bad Day. The summer was growing old. A cool breeze was blowing in this morning, and the leaves were rattling down from the trees. There was a feeling of lateness in the air. Soon it would be autumn, and school would start. Katie John was glad because she was getting tired of summer vacation. The only trouble was no one had bought the house yet, and it looked as though she might have to start school right here in Barton's Bluff instead of New York City. Well, school here, school there. She'd get be glad to get back to work. Then Katie had an idea. Why not start a newspaper, a neighborhood newspaper? That she and Sue could write and sell, Sue thought it was a fine idea too. So the girls set to work in Kitty's bedroom. Her dad loaned them his second-hand typewriter so they could type up their newspaper and make it look professional. Now you stay here and write a fashion note about new fall clothes, Sue. Kitty arranged things while I go out and get some ads. I'll try to find good scoop for our front-page story. On their way back from getting a real estate ad for Mr. Folsby, Katie saw a moving van in the Bancroft's driveway. That's right, they're moving. She got all the information and rushed to the newspaper office. Scoop! She cried. I've got the front page story, all about the Bancrofts moving and where they're going and everything. Sue was busy at her typewriter, hunting and pecking as fast as she could. 
Wait, she said, her face beaming. I've already got the front page story. A fire. Where? In your father's wastebasket. You should have been here, Katie John, Sue said in excitement. It blazed all up the side of his desk and burned a hole in the rug, and your mother spilled a bucket of water all over his papers. All that yelling, my. Katie stood there. Here. She'd missed all the excitement, and Sue was writing the big front-page story for their newspaper. That wasn't right, because she, Katie, was supposed to be the editor-in-chief, and Sue was just the helper. The right fashion news and the other dull things was her business. It wasn't fair. After all, the newspaper was her idea. I don't think that should be the front-page story, Katie said flatly. The fact that the Bancrofts are moving is more important to a lot of people than the neighborhood, than the little old waste paper basket fire. Sue stared at her. But a fire is always big news, she insisted. Besides, everybody knows the Bancrofts were going to move. I don't care, Katie said angrily, thrusting her finger up through her bangs. I'm the editor, and my father used to be a newspaper reporter. And I certainly ought to know what's news. You're just jealous because my story is bigger than yours, Sue said hotly. I do not, Katie yelled, and suddenly she hated Sue's face. Before she could stop it, she had flew into a rage and slapped Sue's face. Oh, both girls gasped. Tears filled Sue's eyes. All right for you, Katie John Tucker. She choked, and she ran out of the room, out of the house, and down the street. Katie's heart was pounding, and her hand tingled, but she sat her lips firmly. I don't care, she muttered. Serves her right. She tore Sue's paper out of the typewriter and crumpled it up. Rolling in a clean sheet, she began pecking out. It is with deep regret that the neighborhood learns of the Bancrofts are moving, no, that wasn't right, because the neighborhood wasn't just learning about it. She started again and then sat back. Wonder if Dad got burned. But she was right. A waste paper basket fire wasn't a big story. It wasn't as if there had been fire engines or sirens. Oh, goodness. She didn't want to make the newspaper after all. No fun alone. Stupid old Sue spoiling everything. Katie quit thinking, got up, and slammed out of the house. She wandered up the street toward the bluff. Now she'd have to give Mr. Folmsby his nickel back if there wasn't any newspaper or ad. She was above the jungle on the bluff when the sound of shouting stopped her. Looking down, she saw children playing among the trees. Those were the tough kids from the river shacks. The one Sue said they weren't supposed to play with. A big girl with a mess of black hair was bossing some younger boys and girls who were barefoot and smudgy. There was a boy about Katie's age, too. They had a blanket tent strung over a line between two trees, and they looked as though they were having a wonderful time. Katie headed down the hillside. Hi, she called to the big girl. Can I play? The girl turned her long hair whirling, and put her hands on her hips. Who are you? Why, I'm Katie Tucker. Are you chicken? The girl demanded. And as Katie looked puzzled, she added, Chicken, 
Scaredy cat. Kitty lifted her chin. Of course not. Are you? The girl's black eyes looked fierce in her brown face, and then she grinned. Everybody knows I'm not. Okay, you're all right. I'm Rita Baker, and these are my little brothers and sisters. That there, she pointed to the boy Kitty's size. He's Pete and lives down the way. Hey, Kitty said. Okay now, Rita said. You're going to play Indians and settlers. Katie, you can be the leader of the settlers and take Joey in the tent with you. Pete and the rest of you, us kids will be the Indians. I'm the chief. No, I am, Pete said. Rita's black eyes flashed. I said, I'm the chief. Pete muttered, but followed Rita off into the bushes while Katie went to the tent with Joey. She wasn't just sure she liked being bossed around by this girl. Being the Indian would be more fun. Still, there was something wild and exciting about Rita that Katie liked. Rita was running back. Hey, build a fire in front of your tent. Here's some matches. Dad had never let her play with matches, but finally Katie got the matches lit and touched it to the sticks Joey had gathered. They crouched by the fire, pretending not to know that the Indians were sneaking up on them. In the attack, the fire got scattered, and the corner of the blanket tent was burned. But they got the fire out. That's my mother's blanket, Pete said angrily. It's all your fault, he told Rita. Hey, it's not my fault. Rita rushed at him and scratched at his face. Pete promptly punched her in the stomach. Rita sat down, hard, screaming, Get out of here, you! Her face twisted in ugly shape. Who wants to stay? Pete jeered. Who wants to play with a bunch of girls and babies? He grabbed the blanket and Joey's hand. Come on! Pete and Joey ran away. Katie looked after them in dismay. And then at Rita, hunched over. Maybe she shouldn't get mixed up with these tough kids. They sure acted mean. But Rita threw up her hair and laughed. Now they're going and we can really have some fun. Say, let's go swing on the grapevines. Katie hesitated. How do you do that? Katie explained about the long wild grapevines that grew in the trees along the river. They're like long ropes and you can swing way out on them, she said. And we've got some potatoes. After we play... I'll show you how to roast the potatoes outdoors. Katie was enchanted all over again. All right, let's go. With the little children following, Rita led the way along the hillside, and they, locked, and they walked quite a way through the jungle until they came out by the bridge across the Mississippi. It seemed that the grapevines were across the river. They'd go over on the bridge. I don't think I should go so far from home, Katie said. Maybe I'd better go back. She knew what they'd say, her folks. They would let her go. I thought you said you weren't chicken. I'm not. It's just that... But, she said hotly, I don't care, feeling she'd gotten from her fight that Sue was still with her. All right, why not? We'll be back, though. And she ran ahead towards the bridge. 
There was no town on that side of the river, and the woods came right down to the sandy shores. Except for the road, Katie thought, this side of the river looked just as it must have when the Indians lived here. She ran down to the water's edge and looked across the river. There was Barton's Bluff, looking so tiny on the hill over there. It seemed covered with trees, with only a few rooftops and churches spired, sticking out. That open space was Main Street, coming down to the waterfront. Now then, she turned to Rita. Where are the grapevine swings? We have to walk down to the shores away, Rita said. They set off with the children straggling behind. Darting about, finding mussel shells, Katie took off her shoes and felt the delicious crunch of warm sand under her feet. Ah, she said happily, what a glorious day. Here, Rita handed her a small sack. You carry the potatoes a while. They walked and walked on down the river bank. Once they came to a swampy place where a little stream ran to the river. Rita warned Katie to watch out for snakes, and Katie stepped gingerly through the mud. At last, Katie said, Where are those grapevines? You didn't say it was so far. You didn't ask, Rita answered rudely. Anyway, you want to go back? Go right ahead. Katie muttered that she hadn't said anything about going back. Rita certainly was touchy, as if she liked picking fights. Katie wasn't sure she liked Rita, after all. Presently, she saw a set of wooden planks floating at the water's edge. It was some kind of small barge or dock anchored by ropes going down into the water. Say, let's sit on that and pretend we're on a raft going down the Mississippi, Katie said. Okay. Katie started to wade into the water, then stopped. The bank dropped sharply under her feet. She staggered back. Maybe she'd better find out how deep it was there. She ran to the edge of the trees and found a good long stick. Stretching her arm over the water as far as she could, she thrust the stick down. It went clear down the length of the stick, and she still hadn't touched the bottom. My, it's really deep here, she said. We can't wait out. Maybe we could jump, Rita suggested. The raft floated so near that Katie could touch it with the stick. It was frustrating to make the raft so close and not be able to get on it. She studied the distance from shore to raft. It's pretty wide, she said. Go ahead, try it, Rita urged. If you make it, I'll try it too. Yes, and what if I don't? Katie wasn't a very good swimmer yet. Besides, the raft was narrow. In jumping, she might go on over the other side. You're a chicken, Rita said. I dare you. I'm not either. Dares go first. No, it was your idea, Rita insisted. If you aren't chicken, prove it. All right, I will, Katie cried. You're just scared to go first yourself. She backed up on the shore, ran, leaped high across the water, and landed on the raft. She sprawled down to keep from rolling over into the side. There, I made it, she yelled. Now who's a chicken? Then her triumph turned to dismay, for now the distance between the raft and shore was quite a bit wider. The force of her landing had thrust the raft far out into the river. 
Now you've done it, Rita grinned. How are you going to get back? Kitty stared across the brown water that rocked between her and the shore. It was too far to jump now. She'd barely made it before. Oh, this was crazy. Here she was right by the shore, yet just too far to get back. Of course, she wasn't in any danger of floating off down the river, for the raft was anchored by the rope. The rope, Katie said. That's it. You kids haul in the rope and pull me back. The steel cable was fastened to a rock just offshore. Rita waded in and reached down. She pulled, but nothing happened. Oh, the raft's too heavy. I can't move it, Rita said, giving up. Come on, Katie, swim back. Your clothes will dry off. But I can't swim very well, Katie objected. The current might carry me. Oh, come on. Katie looked down at the muddy water. No. Rita shrugged. Well, swim back or stay there. I can't wait around all day. You're not going to just go off and leave me, Katie cried shocked. What do you want me to do? Sit here and look at you? Rita's voice was hard. We want to get down to the grapevine swings, don't we, kids? The little ones nodded, staring at Katie John. But what? Katie stammered. Oh, quit being a chicken, Rita said, starting off. Probably the raft will drift back pretty soon. Come on when you get back to shore. Katie watched as Rita walked on down the river bank, with the little bakers trailing after her. So... She dared me into this mess, Katie thought bitterly, and then she just walks off and leaves me. Now the shore was deserted, the woods standing silent. Katie looked across the river to Barton's Bluff, distant as a dream. Not a towboat, not a rowboat, not one in sight. She was entirely alone on the broad surface of the river. The sunshine seemed brown and old. She was really going to catch it when she got home. Her folks had been pretty easy on her this summer because of the move, but this! Katie's stomach squirmed. She just had to get off this raft. She'd have to swim. It was such a short way, really. And she could swim a little. Katie put one foot out towards the water and then drew it back. Wait, not yet. She crouched on the splintery board and looked at the water, cloudy with mud. What was down in it? If she swam, would she touch fish, eel like the one she'd caught when she was fishing with Dad? Katie John shuddered and then she couldn't stop trembling. Jump in, she thought. I can't. Jump? Her hands were sweating and she hardly breathed, staring at the water. Oh, she said to herself, how did I ever get into this mess? But she knew, headstrong. She could hear Miss Crackenberry saying through her thin smile. She was, too. It had all started when she had been so bound and determined to have her own way about that newspaper. Tears burned Katie's eyes. She didn't want to think about Sue, but she couldn't help remembering how she'd slap Sue and how Sue had looked when she did. Sue is my good, loyal friend, and I hit her just because I wanted my own way. Katie John bit her lip as hard as she could to punish herself. Oh, if she ever got off here, she'd go straight to Sue. She'd get right down on her knees and tell Sue she could write the whole paper if she wanted.
and they'd play dolls whenever Sue wanted to. She just had to go to Sue right now before she could hesitate. Katie threw herself forward. I should have taken off my shoes, she remembered too late as the water rushed into her nose. Now she didn't worry about eels. She was busy just trying to kick her legs somehow. She couldn't get her arms and legs to go together, but at last she was moving. Now the river bank was closer. Katie let down a foot and it touched nothing. Oh, she was sinking. She flung out her arms, paddling again, and now, now her feet touched mud. Gasping, Katie heaved herself forward onto the sand and lay there. I made it. I made it. Suddenly she thought, what if Sue won't forgive me? But she knew Sue would. She's gooder than I am, Katie thought humbly. She heard voices. There came Rita and the little bakers. You're too late, Rita called. We already been to the swings. Katie rose, dripping wet. Who cares, she said. I have been thinking. And she sloshed off toward the bridge toward Sue, not paying a bit of attention to the astonished look on Rita's face.